Hello, my name is James Emmett and this is David Kushnan. And we are bringing you Force Material, our new regular audio accompaniment to Force, our new-ish event experience that brings the worlds of sport, entertainment, lifestyle and culture together. Yeah, this is exciting. Something new from us. We'll be using this channel to tell stories about formative moments in the development of these independent industries and specifically where they cross over for business or societal impact. Yes, indeed. Um, this is a new channel. I hope it's up and running uh, and working and we've got everything on it that we need to have on it. Hello, Mum. And also hello to my mum. Um, what should be on there alongside this introductory podcast episode is a mini docu-series where we have delved into this topic. Do have a look at um, what we've got on there because it should give you a good idea of um, the type of stuff that we're interested in when we're uh, talking about force. So in brief, you should have three episodes there in the, the docu-series. What are we, what are we covering, Dave? In short, we're covering chess, we're covering celebrities, and we're covering hip-hop. Yes, um, all very important uh, cultural touch points there, I think. But they are excellent podcast episodes, and I do urge you to um, have a listen. We'll be continuing to uh, make podcast episodes uh, based on some of the big stories in this exciting area. The plan for this podcast episode, though, is to take you through what we're planning and chat through a few of the big ticket items likely to be on the agenda both over the coming months and in May when we'll convene in New York live and in person for Force 2023. Yes, uh, New York, 23rd and 24th of May are the dates for your diaries. It's in a place called Chelsea Industrial. Cool venue, David, uh, in the heart of Manhattan. Um, And that's where we will be bringing together people from different industries with different hats on um, to explore the collision points where interesting new growth is happening across these four areas. And that's key, isn't it? The growth piece of all of this, because we have... uh programmed many a panel session and we've heard from many a speaker at our various leaders sport business conferences over many years talk about the fact that sport is entertainment but also that sport is competing with entertainment for people's time attention and ultimately for their money Mm -hmm. Uh, but we are increasingly seeing and this is the whole point of force ultimately uh, greater collaboration more interesting models developing uh, fresh tie-ups yeah. um, that have genuine uh, business results, I guess. Yeah, well, we're seeing the lines blurred, right, between um, these four different areas. We're seeing executives and job titles um, kind of running across them as well. And you know, let's not um, let's not pretend this is sort of rocket science, right? We're we're not inventing. Well, inventing the wheel isn't rocket science, famously. That's that's much more basic than that. We're not reinventing the wheel here. There are fundamental crossover points that we're talking about. Sport is entertainment, as, as you said, David. It's also deeply embedded in different ways into lifestyle and culture, and, and always has been since the Colosseum times, right? Well, indeed, mm. indeed. Are you not entertained? But... There are very specific, we think, very specific business crossover areas that we know are going to be appealing to um, commercial and marketing executives 
um, across these four different areas, whether you work in sport, whether you work in music, whether you work in fashion, whether you work in, um, in film and TV. There are some specific areas that we think you'd want to learn from other people on what's going on there, right? Indeed. Let's get uh, beyond the, the marketing buzzwords, we cut the marketing to the jargon. Yeah. Let's cut right to the chase. What are we talking about here? Give us some examples of what we're talking about. Okay, we are talking about um, finding fans, spectators, consumers, call them what you will, um, finding people who are going to engage with your product um, and developing meaningful connections with them. We're talking about security for your product, especially if that product is media, um, IP protection, uh, protection against against piracy. We're talking about storytelling. Of course we are. Storytelling is something that absolutely transcends, well, pretty much any industry, right? Everyone reckons they're a storyteller these days. Absolutely. Uh, Technology also plays a big part in this, of course, and whether that's the metaverse and how that's rapidly developing, touches on content, touches on distribution, touches certainly on creativity and storytelling. Uh, There's a big wide world, as we know, of gaming in terms of an industry, an ecosystem, but a whole culture uh, that is increasingly um, moving towards the mainstream and certainly grabbing the attention of uh, brands who are looking to go where young audiences are and linked to all that uh, probably the next phase uh, will be around uh, e-commerce and uh, what that looks like from a sports point of view and there's lots to learn for the sports industry I think from other industries and how they go about uh, e-commerce not least um, the the world of retail Uh, so there's there's lots there and that's before you even get into the venue Mm -hmm. and think about the actual in-person live experience but this is what people think of the most probably when they think about the crossover between sport and entertainment the kind of um the experience itself what are you serving people when they get to your venue how are you monetizing them um, and what does it all look like Taylor Swift speaking out for the first time since thousands of her fans found themselves shut out of her concerts in a Ticketmaster meltdown Ticketing models definitely uh, will be something that we will be thinking about and talking about. We live in a world, James, where Taylor Swift can sell two million tickets in a single day. Not without crashing a platform there, apparently. Indeed, indeed. Um, Revenue streams in general, funding models in general, um, that is something that crosses over these areas. Um, Brand partnerships and integration. Um, anywhere where there is talent or um, people with public profiles, you've got uh, brand ambassadorships uh, on the table, um, and those are obviously developing the way that those happen. Um, but what, but what you've also got is uh, personal profiles and personal platforms that are, you know, huge in their own right now, and of course we have seen. Uh, over the last few years uh, a rise in uh, particularly athlete activism uh, but also I think uh, the uh, this idea of purpose and having a purpose and sharing a mission or platforming a mission uh, is something that we've seen across the world of celebrity. Yeah Um, it's worth saying I think David that we are in the process of programming the event in New York in May right now and It's good fun. Um, It's something slightly out of the ordinary for us. 
And we would love to hear from you um, if you have got any tips, suggestions, um, complaints even. Um, do get in touch. James.emmett at leadersinsport.com. David.cushnan at leadersinsport.com. And the website for this is for hyphen se.com that's the number four the numeral yeah the numeral the numeral four, four hyphen se.com yeah. why have we called it force do you know do you know what the sort of brand thinking behind it yes i do please tell me uh so it's the four pillars the okay. four pillars the four uh industries the four areas in which we are keen to explore. sport entertainment lifestyle culture correct there's and four the, of them and then the se sport and entertainment which are the two major industries of course lifestyle and culture a little yeah. bit more i suppose um conceptual right um but yeah that's the. but with that logic it it might be called four selk well, perhaps but that's it's not, a, that's that's not as catchy, right? I mean, one of the things I think we'll be talking about is uh, evolution of brands uh, and mm. branding over time, and so maybe that's uh, be nice to hear from some brand agencies who uh, who have the job of sort of imagining up these uh, these grand concepts and coming up with some of the copy um, to to match those concepts. I'd like to hear from uh, some of them, David. Yes. It's not just the programming of the event that we've got our sticky hands all over, is it? No, it's not, because uh, you are going to be hearing, as we said, uh, more documentaries uh, telling some of the stories uh, that are happening in this space. Uh, but also, we are working on a fairly hefty piece of work, I suppose, to sort of centre our thinking mm. uh, and hopefully act as a bit more of an explainer about the area in which we're, we're playing here. Um, I think what I'm talking thing, about is a trends it's report. A, whew, it's coming in hot. It's a trends report. Um, it's going to be released in January, along with the, um, I'm going to say hundreds of thousands of other ones. Uh, but this one um, is going to add a bit of nuance. A little, we're going to bring a bit of insight to add to the platitudes that we've uh, currently come up with. We are thinking on a much more granular level about some of these crossover areas and where um, identifiable interesting um, growth is happening and I guess for this um, episode today bearing in mind that we're working on this right now we don't really want to give spoilers away um, it's worth peeling back the curtain a little bit and uh, and maybe having a, a kind of live uh, tryout of some of these ideas it's a little bit of a workshop isn't it bit of a, a workshop. recorded workshop it's a bit of a workshop so where do you want to start shall we start with something that I think is happening um, well, it's been happening for a while, and it's certainly been happening in sport, and obviously it has also been happening in music, but that is the festivalization, what we're calling the festivalization of events. So in many ways, that is the trend for um, events getting bigger and more various and diverse in the scope of their offering. Are you ready for the shoes any music festival mm -hmm. uh, bigger better more expensive more stages more food offerings um, more weathers although you know can't control the weather can you um, but if you look at in sport um, it's been going on for some time now everyone wants to emulate the Super Bowl the Super Bowl has obviously got um, a an extravaganza of a halftime show kind of built into it and arguably more people watch the Super Bowl for the halftime show than they do for the sport itself now. The National Football League welcomes you to the Pepsi Super Bowl 56 halftime show. 
and that's what I mean by the festivalization of events. Also taking the Super Bowl as the example, the Super Bowl isn't just the seven or eight hours or however long it goes on for um, of the, the game itself featuring the halftime show. It's really the week of events um, on ground activation in the host city leading up to that and many other sports are are taking their lead from that. And many other sports are struggling to find something that works in the same way as the Super Bowl. It's something that football if we think about UEFA and the Champions League and particularly the Champions League final, there have been all sorts of attempts to introduce uh, a musical element to that and as you say extend the game interest period out from a couple of hours to a day and then multiple days. Similarly, Formula One, I think, has been quite open about talking about um, turning its races into uh, mini Super Bowls or, you know, have each race uh, be a Super Bowl sort of equivalent. Uh, So there are all sorts of examples, big, medium and small, of this happening uh, around, uh, around sport. And I think the key is how does sport and how do sports events do this in a really credible way because there's a whole other conversation around fan engagement a lot of it is quite naff to be honest Uh, but there are some really good examples and of course the Super Bowl as you say is the absolute poster child of this of uh, the NFL in this case um, engaging Rock Nation highly credible of course, in the music world, but also now engaging Apple as its um, halftime show sponsor. And I think there's a there's a sort of quest for credibility in the sports industry around sports events in terms of how to how to do this in a really uh, really sort of compelling uh, way that's really going to resonate and not come across as a bit naff. Yeah, I mean, and the the sort of business rationale behind it all is sound, right? It's it's growth. It's the sort of gigantification of what you've got. It's um, packing more product into what you're selling so that you can justifiably um, up the price. Basically, and it works. And it works both ways. There is a reason why artists are really keen to be asked to do the Super Bowl halftime sure. show. Yeah. They sell more stuff. Yeah. I wonder what they get paid to do the Super Bowl halftime show. Imagine it depends. Depends who's negotiating, hey? Um, Something else we're thinking about um, in all sorts of uh, kind of existential ways, you'll be pleased to know, Mm -hmm. is purpose, right? That's... um, A word that is in danger mm -hmm. of becoming a little bit meaningless, I think. Yeah. But... Let's 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 unpack what we're talking yeah. about. Here. So so at a, a sort of platitudinous level, um, at a fairly meaningless consumer research level, we are always told that younger consumers want to identify with clear values. Right? They they want brands to um, have a purpose beyond selling them something. Right? Um, and we're seeing. Um, sport and sports marketing and politics intertwine and play out in the mainstream more than ever before and this is obviously a um, uh, the fact that that is happening is a useful thing for all these brands who are suddenly um, sort of switched on to the idea that they need to clearly identify and talk about what their purpose is beyond selling their stuff Um, but it's not quite as simple as that, is it, David? No, there's a couple of big challenges that are emerging as this sort of concept of purpose plays out. And there have been you know, several really uh, powerful examples of where it has worked well. But I think 
the the risk for brands but also for individuals when we talk about athletes and celebrities uh, is that uh, you potentially open yourself up to accusations of hypocrisy um, if you take a particular stand on one thing but maybe your your stand on another thing isn't quite so vocal um, there is also I think the uh, the looming challenge as we face um, economically choppy waters in many parts of the world uh, of uh, purpose potentially falling a little bit down the order of importance for brands and maybe even for sports organisations as the uh, as the need to uh, find a profit when it's increasingly difficult to do so uh, comes to the fore and I think that's something to watch out for in the sports industry but in a wider sense as we're talking about here across the entertainment landscape probably over the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah it's also something to keep an eye on in terms of you know so some of the, the key purposes um, that, that people have now clearly environmental sustainability is is one of the, the core ones um, and how does that sit with sport and what sport is? You know, sport ultimately at the highest level is a kind of global circus, right? There's there's a hell of a lot of plane use. Um, and then at, uh, at one level down, you know, how a key revenue stream is in selling merchandise. That's, that's fast fashion, right? That's landfill waiting to happen. Um, and so how does that align with this shift towards um towards purpose and then, and then there are things like gambling right so gambling there, there is this huge divide in sport certainly um that's opening up uh, across the atlantic ocean between what gambling means sports gambling means in somewhere like the uk where it has been around legally for some time but it's being ever more regulated as mental health issues societal impact becomes clearer uh, of what gambling does whereas in the US it's an exciting new fan engagement revenue stream and I'm yet to hear any talk about kind of societal or personal issues that put more purpose sort of um, consequences that might come out of gambling so um, a lot to a lot to watch out for there what happened in Vegas used to have to stay in Vegas at least when it came to betting on sports but that's changed dramatically in the past few years. It's projected to be a $129 billion industry by 2028. Purpose is one word that we will certainly be using. Another is authenticity. And uh, this is a word. Very firmly a buzzword now. Very firmly a buzzword. But the quest for authenticity, the desire for authenticity, uh, from fans, from consumers, uh, in their favourite athlete, in their favourite celebrity is something that is uh, top of mind for everybody, certainly top of mind for brands as they think about who to um, partner with and how to activate those partnerships. Uh, you want, ideally, an ambassador who will um, who genuinely uses your product or service or genuinely believes in what it's trying to do. And um, there's a... There's again, there's a bit of a tension there. There's a there's some potential challenges to uh, to being truly authentic. I think in this sort of ever more complicated world. Yeah, well, I think there's a um, authenticity as a word has lost all meaning, 
right? It, it's, it's like one of these words that's just been going around in your mouth and in your head for um, hours. So it, it, what does it mean anymore? But if you really, truly try to um, unpack the meaning of it, or at least what people believe it means now in a marketing sense, you, you'd get to the sort of logical conclusion of, well, in sport, the holy grail of a brand is to have you know, a, a major athlete um, with a huge platform also be a, a self-starting content creator who can therefore talk about in an authentic way how much they love your product or use their, your product. Um, so it's, it, it, imagine if, uh, well, Rena let's take Ronaldo as an example. Cristiano Ronaldo, he is a, a major athlete with a major platform, yeah. the, the most followed personal Instagram or whatever he is. No club at the moment, though. You wouldn't necessarily describe as, him as an authentic brand communicator. Like, he, he is not, although he has a massive sort of following on social media, he is not a self-starting content creator. I'm sure he's got a team behind him who would do all of that stuff for him. So the holy grail is to have someone with that platform and that power and that um, you know stardom also be a, a kind of native on these platforms and be really into creating content. That is authenticity waiting to happen. But there's a danger there, right? Because if you are Nike, that might work for you. Cristiano Ronaldo is going to say, you know, I love wearing my boots. They really fit nicely. Um, they score me some great goals. But if you are um, something a little bit more high end. Um, let's say Burberry, you might want a little bit more sophistication to your message. You might want a little bit more sort of brand mythology, which isn't going to come from a superstar celeb talking about your stuff. Absolutely. In Ronaldo's defence, he's probably slightly too old to be that that true it's too old, isn't it? true digital native um david can i ask you a personal question please is ronaldo older or younger than you i believe him to be slightly younger than me right but i'm more authentic yeah 400 million wow what a number keep going like that i will share all the things with you because you deserve it it's also worth saying that the um the rise of what you might call true content creators and influencers is something that is increasingly blurring with, uh, as you talked about, athletes and sport. We're seeing more crossover, certainly in terms of um, YouTubers, for example, both participating in certain sports, particularly boxing, a little bit of football, but also um, in the way that they are being um I guess profiled a little bit more on on traditional sports broadcasts and I think um, it's certainly going to be an area that we're going to be thinking about as I say over the coming months and certainly in and around the event because authenticity there is a sort of byword for honesty, unfiltered, raw, um, you know unedited, uh, personality-led content except a lot of this stuff and what we're seeing in the influencer content, true sort of content creator world, online content creation world, is a really rapid increase at the top end in sophistication, production values, uh, which I would suggest chips away at the, the, the authenticity of it. Totally. Uh, and you're also seeing this, uh, this trend, this kind of bifurcation in what's happening in 
um, media. You've got the mainstream media going one way and you've got the rise of kind of influencers and more kind of individualistic niche audio programs, for example, going an another way, you know, whereas BBC, CNBC, CNN, NBC used to be kind of bywords for quality and credibility. Um, they're increasingly coming under uh, scrutiny and um, attack for n not necessarily being that and actually the way that their business models work, not necessarily the BBC, obviously I defend that to the hilt, um, but the way the business models work in the mainstream media kind of suggests that, you know, quality, credibility, um, balance isn't necessarily the thing that is going to be driving them the most revenue, whereas an individual who you can see, who's built up trust, uh, your own trust for however they have done, is, is likely to have a lot more credibility in a consumer's eyes these days. It just grew past that point of being an influencer because I don't really count myself as an influencer anymore. I know I am, theoretically, but I am more of a businesswoman and I feel like I've worked with PLT now for heading on six years. Wow. They were the, one of the first businesses that gifted me when I had about 11,000 followers on Instagram. Mainstream media models are definitely being challenged. It seems to be the case if you look at, as you identified, news coverage um, as an, and use that as an example. Uh, it's becoming more polarised. You've got more organisations taking a, a, a strong position uh, one way or the other. We also identified with the most recent US presidential election the sort of sportification, gamification of things like election coverage, um, which is something that I think is only going to continue. And it sort of, it had the feel at times, it certainly took its cues from some of the uh, the graphics you might see and some of the data presentation you might see um, uh, in sports broadcasts. Uh, so there's there's a big area there around, um, uh, you know, what makes money for traditional established, some might say old fashioned media organisations versus new ways to consume, you know, new individuals, new channels, uh, new ways to consume uh, content. And that plays into a whole wider debate, which we probably don't have time for now, around things like TikTok and actually how we are being served up whatever it is we want to be served up to us. Mm -hmm. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to finding out who's going to play the halftime show of the next presidential election. David. It's an interesting that's, thought. That's the next one. Let's um, leave it there. Um, a reminder again um, to check out the Force website, 4-se.com. Have a look at those, uh, well, pop those dates in your diary, 23rd and 24th of May in New York. And stay tuned, I guess. Absolutely. Much more to come on this. Sport, entertainment, lifestyle and culture all covered on this channel uh, over the coming months. And as you say, James, uh, all uh, eyes pointing towards New York in May.